The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello and welcome to IGN's number one PlayStation show. It's the only PlayStation show we make here, but damn, we're good at it. I'm your host, Max Scoville, and I'm joined today by Josh Dew. Hello. And Matt Kim. Howdy, howdy. Howdy. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming and hanging out. Uh, we are approaching the time of year when all sorts of things start happening, and everybody has to scramble and go do those things. Um, IGN Summer of Gaming is around the corner, which is sort of the, the catch-all event season adventure time for what was formerly known as E3. And, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, the kingdom of video games has exploded into a million little sky islands, and we've got to, like, piggyback <laughs> between those or uh, paraglide or whatever. Um, obviously, what are you referencing? What are you referencing? I, I, I know this might be a little bit of a shock for some of our PlayStation-loving listeners, but f- freaking everybody's playing Zelda right now. Uh, I think that yeah. that's sort of the, uh, the elephant-shaped uh, mythical beast in the room or whatever. Like, it is... It is a, a huge, huge, like, you know, watershed game. And it obviously is a Nintendo game. It's not on PlayStation. But this is the kind of game that is going to have, like, a lasting effect on all other games for, you know, the immediate future. Or, like, maybe three years from now, but the immediate future after that. So um, we will be talking about that a little bit, but hopefully from a sort of PlayStation-adjacent angle. We also have some cool, fun community stuff that we didn't get to last week. A uh, huge thank you to everybody who had... Very nice to things to say about our 800th episode. Um, we had a real good time doing that. Um, and we uh, didn't even have a chance to read any of your kind messages. That said, a very cool game came out, which is Humanity. Um, this is, this is I, I, I was totally expecting this to be a PSVR 2 exclusive. I think I just, that got lost in the shuffle somewhere. It's the, it's the Tetris Effect devs. Yeah. And it's, uh, which was also, you know, PSVR 2, but then also regular. TV. Um, I played a bit this morning. Matt, you've been spending a bunch of time with humanity. What are your thoughts on humanity? Uh, I love it. I've I've been playing it for like uh, about a week. I'm not. Re- I didn't review it, so I didn't. I didn't have to finish it or anything like that. But I I would spend some time like doing a couple levels here and there. It's just this really cool vibey puzzle game you know which which i want to like describe as like uh snake meets the leftovers. You know where you basically play as a, a Shiba Inu made of pure light. And your goal is to guide people to like the end zone, to, like the end goal, and you know along the way, solve various like physics-based puzzles. You know, you, mm-hmm. you you get your your people to to jump and 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 you know climb up walls in order to get to the destination. And it's super cool. And actually, so I read an interview I think in Edge magazine about like how this project got started. And the really cool thing is that the the 
physics behind the game, the the all these people jumping and moving in the crowd stuff was not originally developed as a video game. Uh, I guess the I guess the creator of the program is actually like a like a urban engineer or something like that. And this oh wow this program was actually meant to like simulate just like like crowd control, like how people can like navigate oh, urban weird. environments. And they were doing a presentation and the and the CEO and developer of Tetris Effect and then Enhanced like saw this and was just like, how do we turn that into a video game? Like that looks cool. That's like a physics model project modeling project that I really like the look of. And I guess they just started talking about how to like turn this into like a full, like full on game. That is so cool. I love that's like my my favorite kind of tidbit, but I also love tech demos. Yeah. Like, do you ever mess with those like those browser based ones where it'll be like, here's how like here's how the water physics react to this sphere or whatever. And it's it's just, you know, you've got a couple sliders and it just like it's not a game. It's just like a weird widget kind of. Yep. And it's hearing that somebody turned that into a game is is extremely cool. Yeah, um, it's great. Apparently it was just like people just like just like this, like people were just like on the screen, you know, just moving in crowds, pushing each other and, and going a certain direction. And and the developer was just like enamored by just how it looked like yeah. aesthetically. So, like, I mean, for anyone who hasn't actually seen this, I, it is it's got some it's got DNA of so many like other wonderfully weird games that I would, I guess, classify as puzzle games like Snake for sure. Definitely got some Snake, but it's also Lemmings. And it's got some, it reminds me of Intelligent Cube a little bit, just aesthetically, <laughs> the old PS1 game. And then uh, it's also, I feel like it doesn't, it's it's a little bit Katamari-ish, like yeah, in tone especially. Yeah, totally. yeah. Like just the feel like, of it, the game feel. Of this Katamari? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, does it have like a, a bop and soundtrack too? Or? It, oh, yeah. It's, that chill lo-fi soundtrack it's, oh, it's nice. not bop okay. it's not bop it's not bopping it's, it's, okay. like, it's a chill lo-fi all right yeah it um, kind of reminds it, me of those like i mean i don't mean this as a slight against the game it just reminds me of like mobile game ads i don't know if you've gotten those where they're like you you have like a oh no you're, you're totally right <laughs> and you're, you're guiding like these yeah you're trying to get them to like the multipliers and like add more to your crowd and stuff like yeah that. it's it like world the world war zombie the game the mobile <laughs> game it's yeah can you fight the zombie hordes i'm like this isn't <laughs> why don't you just show what the game looks like yeah uh, but i like that I, I think they're tapping into that sense of like oh we like to see crowds of people and i think manipulating a crowd of people there's just something inherently satisfying about that yeah the thing i really like is so you've got these you know you've got this herd of people you've got to navigate and then you've got these guys that i think are just called goldies like they're just big they're like they're just like giant golden men that you have to <laughs> you have to collect some of them. They're like your sort the of optional objectives. Men. Yeah, yeah, the golden guys, you They're know. Just innocent men. They just look like uh the Oscar, <laughs> the statue. These <laughs> just giant gold men, you gotta go get them. But um Yeah. What, okay, I I like watch this gameplay and I feel like I have an idea of how it works, but correct me if I'm wrong, but like to me it just seems like, oh, I need to get these like I need to get a certain amount of people from point A to point B, and there's just obstacles so in the way. So that's it? what I love about it is that I I was totally thinking it was going to be one of, those, one of those like lemmings situations where like you you will be docked for every of these every one of these people you lose. That's totally not it. It completely devalues humanity. You'll have like <laughs> hundreds of dudes falling off a cliff while you're thinking about your next move. Not an issue. They don't care. It's the rapture. You're a Shiba Inu. Who cares? Uh, but no, basically you you're this little light dog that runs around and you put. Um, like you put directional patterns on the ground, okay. so you, you choose where they go, but it also has an element of platforming where you can't go, 
Like they'll they'll come out of this they'll come out of like a door and they'll all start walking one direction. And unless you run over in front of them and put like a little arrow going the other direction, they're just going to keep going that way. So if they're all walking off a cliff, they're right. going to just be pouring off a cliff. <laughs> uh, and then you have to like hop up and go other places. There's like certain walls that they can climb up. Uh, you get different different types of jumps that you can make the people do, but you can't do them yourself necessarily. So you have to like. I don't even know what you'd call it. You have to like morph into the, you have to basically crowd surf, crowd surf. Like you just, yeah. you're just this dog that just, and it, it makes like a very kind of weird noise and you just, you like dive in and you go, blah, 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 and you, like, <laughs> you know, these people would be like climbing a wall, like world war Z and you just be like this dog swimming up them, which is, it's a lot. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a thing, but yeah. Okay, so it sounds like I would, I'm trying to, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. Is it, would you describe it as maybe like a puzzle where you're trying to guide like a flow of water, but now it's like, you just it's yeah like three dimensions this could now, this could absolutely you know it's actually now that you mention it it's kind of a bioshock pipe puzzle like it's kind of yeah, right. it's kind of a pipe dream but like it's three you dimensions get, now you right? yeah it's three-dimensional yeah. and also you don't get in trouble for spilling the, again it's just you're just yeah. you're killing you can waste as many as it yeah. takes yeah the yeah. game the game makes it clear that they're not dying if they fall off the cliff they will simply just be re-raptured into the loop I have been skipping the cutscenes. I don't. I don't. Uh, oh yeah. Missing, what is what is the there's a story the behind there's, this? There's, so it's your... it is that's where it feels very Katamari. Like it feels like Katamari filtered through Tetris Effect, where it's got this like, it's like you hear a voice. It's a strange voice. You're a dog made of light. <laughs> like it's got this. It's very right, you know. That's it's it. okay. It's it's a it's a yeah. weird game. It's one of those games yeah. where like trying to describe it. The more you the more you say the more it doesn't it doesn't make any sense but okay. like Katamari. If you, yeah, yeah yeah exactly if you play it if you play it for like five minutes you're gonna be like i get it and it's right. you know and it's uh yeah it's easy to figure out and then very frustrating and hard to figure out uh how to actually play it and win get those golden men but when you when you nail it like when the when the people are flowing and the and the gold men are in the crowd and everyone's getting (laughs) to where they need to be like you're just looking at and you're just like damn this is Mm -hmm. awesome yeah it's got that it's got that like flow state kind of thing too actually there's okay the gold the gold finger old man (laughs) old member thank you Uh, no it's um I don't know it's nice that it's also it's on playstation plus um maybe I've, whatever the gold the golden man tier if you're a part of the golden <laughs> man subscriber you can you can get it uh it uh, is is it playstation plus extra that's it like the, i think like the top yeah. two tiers i think if you're in the, the those ones the middle and yeah. the highest one right okay. those, yeah and then uh yeah i think it's like 30 bucks otherwise but it's just i don't know it's just like a really neat little game i love that it's got psvr2 support because you know, a lot of people bought PSVR 2s, and I can't imagine they've had a whole lot to do lately. That said, it looks like PSVR 2 is getting some new stuff, including a game about skateboarding, which is called, wait for it, VR Skater. Um, we got a preview up on IGN, which is really wonderful. Um, Nick Maie, who's um, guy who doesn't usually, he does a lot of our video stuff, doesn't usually get to go get his hands dirty and play games. Uh, he is like a diehard skater, and so he's got like a really good feel for what actual skateboarding is like. And he was, he's saying this is, this is much more, this is much more, I don't know if realistic is the right thing because it's not necessarily trying to capture the feeling of being on a skateboard, but it's like, it's, it sounds much more physics based than your average skateboarding game is. Like basically, I, I honestly, it's, I haven't put this thing on my head and actually tried it for myself, but like my understanding is aside from like, 
I think you use the sticks for directional input. And then what the board is doing is determined by where your hands are. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like giant, it's like a giant tech deck in VR. That's what it sounds like. Huh? Yeah. It's, I... it's a trip and it's, it looks, it looks great. It looks gorgeous. I don't know how, how far off it is, but it's like, I don't know. It's if for people who are into skating and don't want to um, have to get steel rods put into their bones when they <laughs> inevitably break them, this seems yeah. like a good alternative. It's just like so hard. To, it's like one of those things. Like, I feel like I just have to do it. it like, cause I don't, you, you said all this about how it works and I still am not totally sure. Like, yeah. I can't I mean, picture that's, myself yeah. playing this game. That's the problem with VR. Like it's, you can't like, yeah. you can show it to somebody, you can show footage and it's still hard to kind of grasp what the, what the sensation is because it's like yeah. the yeah. you know input is totally novel so that's super interesting because there's actually a, so i i own a oculus quest 2 right and and there's a snowboarding game that uh that a buddy of mine made called carve snowboarding which is actually sounds pretty similar to what you're describing and i think the best way i could describe it having played like a, a like it's not skateboarding it's snowboarding but it's sort of like the snowboard is like a marionette puppet that you control with your hands like with the with the mm. with the controllers or whatever, but yeah, it's like same same sort of general idea where your the position of your hand sort of guides your your snowboard, and if you lift up your like left hand, and your like board will go up, and that's how you do jumps. And if you lift up your oh, back okay. hand, you know it'll it'll, it'll do a, like tricks or things like that. And that's sort of like I think the general vibe of of maybe how you get a boarding game in VR to work, and it works pretty okay. Like I just get motion sick in vr in general and so that's I, my main concern like yeah. just watching this footage it's like oh you're moving and like the fact that always trips me up is like if i'm just standing there in my bedroom like watching myself move like i that really messes me up man i can't it's do like, it apparent, i'm told it's like uh like exposure therapy like the more you do it the more like the more you just get used to it you know like, you just really have to like subject yourself to yeah that's to, i mean some stuff is worse than others though yeah. apparently you can i think you'd play this sitting down which is like i feel like just very counterintuitive to skateboarding yeah uh, but unless you sit on the skateboard i guess like it i don't know that in my experience I don't know, like if, if I were standing up and playing this, I would probably fall over. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I think it's when you have that sensation of speed and you're on your own to balance, I guess, I mean, I guess if you're playing it sitting down, that's less of an issue, but yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, moving, moving fast in VR is always kind of a gamble, especially if there's a lot of like kind of jerky movements, which is, you know, that goes with, with skateboarding. So yeah, hopefully know, like it feels more free flow, like, and smooth. Hopefully you're as good as the trailer and then. I'm sure it'll be fun. Let's hope so. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I would love to see what's like the thing that hit me about skateboarding is I mean, skateboarding games, I think we've talked about this on the show before, like they were everywhere in the 90s because extreme sports was really huge. And so people were making games based on it. Uh, same with snowboarding and, you know, all that stuff, BMX to a lesser effect. But what like what constitutes a skateboarding game is like kind of like they often differ mechanically. <laughs> You know, Tony Hawk is is very much one thing, and then you know you have like a two D version, like Ollie Ollie. And I always was always like uh, Thrasher Skate and Destroy, which I feel like was much more, much more. It it felt more. I, don't I guess more that game. It, no one does. It's it's not a it's <laughs> not a great game, but it's it's funny because if you um, 
if you if you skate well enough the cops come after you and you have to outrun them but it's from their perspective it's a whole thing but um yeah like that one i felt like was much more like it's it's more tactile you know like i, I replayed tony hawk when it came on um you know that they remastered it and the thing that kind of hit me is that it is so much more of a rhythm game than i realized mm. And I think I was just at peace with sucking at it as a kid and then and just sort of was, you know, I'd goof around, do some little flips and stuff and didn't think too hard about it. But like to get anything done in that game, like you need to have like a pretty you need to have like a pretty good mastery of like the specific combo timing and all that. And it, it feels like less about it's less about what you're doing with the board itself in relation to the environment and more with like the the button inputs, if that makes any sense. Whereas this, in this case, it is like, I mean, obviously the button mm -hmm. inputs are what's making the board do what it does, but I, I don't know. It's, right. it's a, it's, it's like skate, it put, the game skate too. Like skate was yeah. more about like the motion and exactly. Like yeah. Like skate yeah. had like a very tactile approach to it. And mm -hmm. like, that was also like a kind of weird learning curve, but like I went back and messed with skate three, uh, I was on sale or something. And like that, that feels more like in line with kind of what I, what I look for. And I don't mm -hmm. know where I would fall on this one. Cause it sounds like it is, it is like challenging on like a very uh you know it's like it's a very steep learning curve which is in fact a half pipe which you can go up and then grind along the top of it and then fall down if you if you're good at it you can do that with the learning curve but um i don't know <laughs> like again it's vr you kind of have to try it for yourself to yeah. to really get a feel for it but i'm very happy that a new psvr2 game is in the works for all the people out there with psvr2s so that's good stuff um now, moving on here, we talked about this. I mentioned this briefly. Uh, everyone's talking about Zelda right now. Tears of the Kingdom is out. It is It is just like, it's it's all over. It's everywhere. If you put on a PlayStation podcast to uh, hear about something else, I'm sorry, because we're going to address the fact that it exists. Uh, that said, if you are a PlayStation player who would like something Zelda adjacent to kind of scratch that itch of watching all these people doing all sorts of crazy stuff in that game, uh, that's a tall order because that game does a lot of really wackadoo stuff that. Uh, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of games trying to copy in the, the, the you know, coming coming few d decades probably. Um, that said, there are some pretty cool like Zelda Zelda likes on on PlayStation, so I figured we could kind of run down some of those and talk about you know how does it how does it line up with that. Mm. Um, for starters, this is sort of this feels almost like just a, a too soon, but uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, which of course came out the same day as Breath of the Wild or the same week or just right about right around there. Um, but that's, you know, big, huge, massive, open, sprawling world that has crafting and it has using a bow and arrow a lot and it has you fighting enormous things in a very puzzle-like fashion. I imagine a lot of our audience is well aware of what this game is and what its sequel for Bed and West does. But, you know, figured I'd throw that one out there. They both have some, uh, you know, some similar, similar DNA to Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I guess it's just missing that, like, sandboxy part of it. Like, yeah. I think with Horizon... Uh, it became like the sort of like rock, paper, scissors sort of thing where like you just oh match the color, find the weakness and like, there you go. Uh, yeah, but with Zelda, it was always like, you know, just try it. And uh, yeah, no, that's, it, that's there, a... it wasn't that intuitive, I would say. It's just like, may, like this could work. And then maybe mm -hmm. it does. I mean, that's a different, a, a really key thing. I remember there was a point where sandbox and open world were sort of interchangeable, but I think mm -hmm. that's that's a funny thing to pinpoint because sand, sandbox implies like just go play with your toys like see what happens build a yeah. castle go nuts there's a certain like added freedom to it and mm -hmm. open world is just kind of like i don't know the witcher is open world like that's that you're not you're not really 
it's it's more like you can go wherever you want but you can't necessarily do whatever you want it's and obviously no game lets you do absolutely everything but yeah i don't know it's a thought as far as really overt uh zelda like games uh immortals phoenix rising which i feel like is one of the first just really <laughs> shameless zelda mm-hmm. ripoffs out the gate this was you know ubisoft's uh more kid-friendly game where you climb towers and unlock parts of the map and paraglide around and fight big monsters uh I messed with this a little bit. Did either of you get a chance to play this? No. I know yeah. people who love it, though. I mean, did, how soon did it come out after Breath of the Wild? Uh, it was like soon enough that people really were commenting. So on it was it was announced as Gods and Monsters. And right, I remember that. I, I think they flagged the Gods part as being this might upset religious folks, and then Monster got upset the Monster Energy folks, and so they had to change <laughs> it to Immortals Phoenix Rising, and they spelled Phoenix wrong probably because... They didn't want to piss off the X-Men or something. I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I remember when it, was, when it was first shown off, I was just like, yeah, that's, that's Ubisoft doing Zelda, all right? That sure is what that is. Um, but, I, you know, I played a little bit of it, and it's, I appreciate that, it's, that they made a more, a more kid-friendly, a more colorful take on the Far Cry Assassin's Creed, uh, you know, Ghost Recon Wildlands, whatever you want to call it, formula that Ubisoft is known for. Yeah. It, I'm watching this footage now, and it, it kind of reminds me of, it looks like Fortnite, honestly. If I just kind of yeah. blurred my eyes a little bit, it's like... Well, I mean, that, I wasn't going to mention that, but Fort, Fortnite is obviously, if you want to play a game where you can run around a big green area and build, I mean, build stuff out of crap, then yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. I mean, maybe, yeah, Nintendo kind of stole it from them, to be honest. Yeah, Fortnite <laughs> invented building things, it sure did. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that was that was uh, like again everybody's everyone's borrowing from everyone else. Like yeah. Fortnite yeah. itself was like, what if we crossed uh, Call of Duty with Minecraft? And it's like, all right, business guy, great idea. <laughs> and then fast forward, it was a great idea. <laughs> Peanut butter go great together. What could go wrong? Uh, okay, then of course, yeah. While we're talking uh, other free to play uh, games that people love, Genshin Impact yeah. is. I I never have you either of you messed with this at all. I I completely missed this one. Yeah, I tried it a little bit only because like I was curious to see what the what the thing is and like I don't think I have the brain to be like the brain that's wired for for this kind of game, you know? Like if your if your whole thing is you want to play a game that's pretty close to Breath of the Wild but also collect as many uh, anime characters as you can humanly humanly do, uh then that that's Genshin Impact and it's like the first part is cool the second part, I just don't, I don't need, I don't need that many characters, you know, I don't need them all, but. With all due respect was... to, to Genshin Impact, like looking at screenshots of it, it seriously looks like somebody modded Breath of the Wild and just put anime characters yeah. in there. A lot, yeah. like, so many. Yeah. Wait, what do you mean by collecting anime characters? Like, do you, like, are it's they a, skins it's a, or? No, it's like a gotcha game, right? And so you, I don't, I don't remember the, I don't remember the narrative behind it, right? But you, you, got, you play as the main character and <laughs> then you like travel this world and then you enlist other heroes to join you on your quest, right? And so these characters all have their like own personality and powers and, and voice actors and stories, but you summon them. And then they become your, but it's like random, right? Like you're not like you're not like going through a set path and then collecting and then like teaming up with specific characters at specific times. You're just like, you're my buddy now. Cool, wind, anime okay. person. Yeah, wind, wind anime person. Yeah, yeah. that seems yeah, like it's it's you know evolving on the formula a little bit more. Yeah. You know, it's not like super Breath of the Wildy. This is yeah. I mean, this is one of those games that I just looking at it. It 
it's and it's it's messed up because it is so close to what zelda looks like that i'm like i i, I think just the, the weird injection of anime into it and like i i'm okay with some anime stuff it just for, for whatever reason this exact formula just it's like when i try to feed my dog cucumber or something like i'm just like that's not food i'm not i'm not <laughs> i know no thank you I'm not, i don't hate it i just don't i don't i just come i just go do something else like i'm not you know and i'll do respect for people who are into it like it's seems like a yeah. really cool game that's gotten plenty of support so good on that um we talked about this a few weeks ago it was on playstation plus chia or chia i always want to say the t the t is silent uh but it's this is a you know really small um like indie studio and they i this this is such a like it's it's very much got the sandboxiness to it where you can go around and you can use magic to possess basically anything around you the thing that it did so well and you can slide down hills and jump and paraglide got to do the paragliding everyone's got to paraglide that's what you got to do get around one thing this does that not enough games have done that i've seen is you can climb to the top of a tree and like pull it back like a slingshot and then launch yourself and i don't I don't think you can do that in 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 Zelda or really any other games uh, I can think of, but it's just a really, I don't know. It's a very it it again. It feels toyetic, like it's very you know, tactile, fun to do. This is a cute game. It's very very chill. I had, a, I had a good time messing around with this. I said you know sunk some hours into it. I there's there's combat, but it's like so it's so backburnered that you could pretty much just play the game and just like go around collecting stuff and turning into crabs or whatever. Yeah. And it's like based on a real life location too, right? Yes. Uh, new. God, I already forgot. I'm t- I'm terrible. Uh, new Caledonia. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, which is that's which super is cool. sweet. Yeah, it's the also, animations are like really satisfying. Just like watching like your main character like just jump and like flail. It's like I don't know. It is. It's, she she has longer limbs than Link. Uh, so it, it looks more satisfying. <laughs> Weird. You like it better when they've got longer legs. I love it more. when they, the longer the limbs, the better, man. Like if they can flail their limbs and they're just like, you know, flying off of trees or swimming through water with big old legs and arms, then big old leg. okay. I'm in, dude. I'm in. I'm, I'm into give me, that. Give me, give me a slender man in Breath of the Wild. Like that's, that's my, okay, sure. that's my hot take. Why not? I think there should be a game where every time you do anything, you get slightly longer arms and legs. Whoa! Yeah, you don't cool. level up. You just they every time you do, every time you hit an enemy or climb something, it just get, keep 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 getting bigger. It doesn't. It's like yeah. hamster teeth. It just keeps growing until you die. Like it's just you get <laughs> cuts through your brain. Until Too you long. can until you can hug the world. That would be yeah. like yeah. I'm that'd be a new like Katamari style. Katamari guys, wake up! Hug the world is here. We here want to play go. that. That's hug a game. The world. <laughs> I don't know how we got on that. Uh, so. <laughs> There's so, obviously like there, there's so many games that borrow from Zelda, and some of them borrow from the really old ones. And uh, Tunic is one of those. Um, that is the I feel like a very this was I think it announced before they announced they were doing a Link's Awakening remake or whatever. But you're this cute little fox person, and you run around, and you have like a little sword, and it's shockingly difficult. Like it looks so it looks like so harmless, and this is a, definitely a game that will kick your ass a bit. And it's got uh, you know it's a it's a Souls like. And we're so accustomed to souls like you know being made out of uh jagged cursed iron and having you know skeleton hands but this is like oh it's cute it's cute time time. (laughs) Uh, i I miss this game i i think it's is it coming to playstation at some point uh it just it did recently i think uh that came out 
Yeah, it came out a while ago, I think. Um, yeah, okay. It was, it was it was very much heralded as like an Xbox exclusive yeah. type of thing. Um, but it's, you know, I don't know, it's cute. Oh, and uh, I don't know, I, I was going to say, side note, uh, the Stray, the cat game is coming to Xbox, but like, I don't, I don't know why our audience would care. They already played that because that was on <laughs> PS5 for ages. So yeah, I love that things get, they get associated with whatever they launch on and then they wind up coming to everything and it's, you know. Right. Uh, this is the one I thought I totally jumped out of order and our producer is scrambling to figure everything out. Sable sounds like it's about a little furry animal, but it's not. It's actually there. Uh, it's, you know, Breath of the Wild esque, but it's totally looks like a Mobius painting. Yeah. And I I'm I mess with this for a little bit. It's it. I remember it being not uh, it chugs like it has some it has some, I think, some technical issues or it, or it did at launch. But it's it's got the sort of Miles Morales uh, sort of choppy animation to it that's sort of deliberate mm. but then it also occasionally has hiccups that aren't but yeah you run around you climb stuff you uh you get these sweet like sweet looking speeder bikes uh it is so it is so like mobius like classic heavy metal magazine that i i really adore that about it and i didn't i think i didn't i didn't stick with it or you it, know because it I, chugs sounds like a compliment for when it's not about game performance you know like <laughs> oh man you go to yeah. the show last night it chugged yeah it's, it's like it's it slaps at a lower frequency i don't know it's no this has some like fun puzzle but yeah i think it was just it was really like just kind of technically clunky you know like it took it but i mean it's been out for a couple of years now so they hopefully have tightened some of that up i just i love the the aesthetic to it and there's i don't know there's so many games that strive for like make it look as as graphically impressive as possible but it's like art direction can do a lot of heavy lifting and yeah. you know right Zelda is a, is a good, you know, testament to that. And I don't know. See also Borderlands. Uh, Cell shape music shit. from Japanese breakfast. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I don't, I, I, they, they made a joke about that on that show shrinking. And I've been trying to think why I know who they are. <laughs> uh, ocean horn is sort of an infamous, this is not this, this is a, we have Zelda at home. I feel like every time <laughs> I say Zelda, one of our listeners just unsubscribes. There's they're hopefully not too mad, but, um, you know. Ocean Horn? I don't Ocean Horn, yeah. I've never, I've heard, never of heard of this. This was, so I think it started on mobile. I just, oh, okay. I just typed, I just typed Ocean Haunch. That's not what the name of the game is. <laughs> Haunch. Uh, yeah, Ocean it's, Haunch it's, Chugs. It's got a lot of, uh, it's got a lot of dungeons and stuff. Like this, this one is, I, it's like fairly, you know, fa fairly shamelessly, we also like Zelda. Like it's got, it's one of those games. There's a lot of those games because it's a massively influential series that's been around since basically the inception of modern console gaming. So of course people are going to yeah. borrow bits and pieces from it and try to keep up with where it's going. Yeah, I don't know. It's cute. It's got some, some, you know, Wind Waker-ness oh, yeah. to it. You like having a character with a blue tunic? You got it. Put on that turquoise shirt, my friend. Have a good time out there. Go check out some trees, some chests, some gems. <laughs> Who knows? Um... On a similar note to Tunic, Death's Door was a really cool one that I messed with for a little bit. That actually, I think everyone is really looking forward to Tunic is like, oh, it's a cool little fox game. It's like Link's Awakening, but it's a Souls-like. And then Death's Door was like, yeah, we had we we did that first. Here it is. Yeah. You play as like a little like a little plague. It's true. Plague doctor. Yeah. yeah. Little it's crow. A little it's a literal crow. Yeah. Did you guys play Jeez. this, play this yeah. one at all? Mm-hmm. I liked it. I, was, I liked Yeah. Yeah. I was really into this one. Like, I really liked the art style and kind of the, the color palette of it all. Uh, it was like really moody, but mm -hmm. not too like grim. Mm, story uh, that's a, it, that is exactly yeah. it. It's like the right the right amount of the right amount of creepy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
like got lots of cute stuff, but it is it also did a good job of having that sense of isolation. Yeah, you're just kind of wandering around an overworld, and you're like, what do, what do I do? And you go around a corner, and there's something kicks your ass, and you're like, oh, video games are cool. Like <laughs> get beaten yeah. up by a stranger in a field. <laughs> I really like that one. I I, I think I hundred percented it, which was yeah, it was, it was nice. a trip. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash POBeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash POBeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. On a similar note, uh, going around in a field, getting your ass kicked, Elden Ring. Obviously, people are making plenty of yeah. comparisons between that and, you know, I, I saw one one thing that was like, it was like, Tears of the Kingdom isn't doing anything that Elden Ring didn't do. And I was just like, what? I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know about that. I, about? I, love, I love Elden Ring. I love Elden Ring so much. Yeah. But also, like, you cannot make a Gundam out of wood in that game. Yeah, yeah exactly. Worse, I, worse at it than I thought. 
So I think the thing that we said about Horizon applies to Elden Ring too. Like Elden Ring is an open world game as opposed to Zelda being a sandbox game. Uh, Correct. You can't like create a robot or something in Elden Ring. But at the same time, one big difference I think between Elden Ring and Horizon is that Elden Ring has that same thing that Zelda does where if you like pick a direction, you'll just wander into something crazy and fun. Yeah. You know, like Elden Ring and Zelda both are the games where like you really can just go wherever you want on the map and then like you're just going to step into something that's going to turn into like a whole adventure like a whole yeah. separate adventure yeah yeah yeah. that's what i really loved about it it's like when i was playing elden ring for the first time i thought it was going to have more of that traditional i don't mean to say traditional but like kind of the open world style that we see nowadays where it's like oh here's a point on the map just go to it um and then when I discovered, I was like kind of struggling with it. And then when I realized it had that like breath of the wild, just like, just go anywhere you want. You don't have to fight everybody either. You can just like check it out. Uh, that's when I really kind of got in the groove of it and had a really good time. And I think that's like kind of the thing a lot of open world games are kind of missing nowadays is that really good sense of exploration. Like, yes, don't get me wrong. Like I was playing all the Assassin's Creed games, like, Back when they were coming out and stuff and like i had a great time i i think that's how i kind of found my uh i like i play a ton of open world games in general and like that helped me get into it but breath of the wild was the one that was like oh my gosh like i don't know what i'm gonna see when i go over this like hill crest and i'm so excited to see what's on the other side you know and not a lot of games nowadays kind of do that um and i hope that that's the main lesson that these open world games are going to learn from zelda is that you really want to imbue that sense of i can't wait to see what's on the other side of this yeah. or around this corner no i think the, there's a lot of emphasis on exploration and not enough on discovery like it's mm -hmm. it, it's very important to have a reason to make people want to go check stuff out but also i don't know these things need to you know work together uh yeah i i, I, I there are these games that come along and like there are these huge massive games and you know that there are a whole bunch of like you know game directors and businessmen and studios being like how do we do that we need one of those we need to make one of those too and i worry that like i don't know the takeaway from uh from elden ring is like oh make just 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 make it harder and it's like that's not i don't know that's not the the charm the charm is partially having to figure it out yourself yeah mm -hmm. like detutorialize de some stuff like make it a little bit more about player discovery and if you're if you're i don't know if your systems are too hard to figure out for the player on their own then like maybe that's like i don't know elden ring is is you know complicated but it's also you make sense out of it you know you can mm -hmm. you can figure it out and yeah i also i this game spoiled us so much with its traversal i feel like it was so generous with checkpoints mm -hmm. it was so good you had a magical deer that would come out of nowhere mm -hmm. you could just jump off a cliff and summon it and you just get on top of it it was great i love that uh Going from that to Jedi, Sur I didn't go jet directly from that to Jedi Survivor, but like Jedi <laughs> Survivor, I was like, I was like, okay, they got some more meditation points. That's mm -hmm. good. All right, I better uh, summon my trusty steed. And then this like, like purple dinosaur thing would like <laughs> show up like 17 feet away. And I was like, almost come on over here, buddy, get over here. <laughs> and then I jumped into Zelda and I'm like, all right, gotta go find some places and checkpoints. And I like got to the first tower and they're like, it's broken. Can you fix it? And I was like, no, I can't fix it. And I can't fast travel there yet. So I just like, I was just like, no, well, I call my horse to get out of here. And I like whistle and it's like, yeah, man, your horse ran away, dude. <laughs> it got caught on fire. It doesn't want to hang out with you. I'm like, I don't know. I miss, I miss Elden Ring. 
<laughs> a little bit strange. I, one thing I like, oh, it's like, because sometimes, you know, you think, oh, you got to have a world where, like, the cool thing is, like, a new tool or item or anything like that. Like, Elden Ring did a thing where sometimes the cool thing was just getting murdered by something absolutely ridiculous, you know? Like, just yeah. being like, oh, I wandered into this, like, spooky cavern, and I don't really know where I am, but I guess I'll just keep going in. And, like, inside it is, like, the most horrifying insect man that you'll ever fucking you'll ever see and mm-hmm. uh and that's the cool thing like the cool thing is the monster that murders well, i love that like miyazaki did some interview and he was saying how like every death should be a punchline and, yeah i mean it's definitely it's at times it's comical and at times it's it's frustrating but if you stop and think about it like the deaths that are like frustrating is when it's the same boss repeatedly you know that's when it gets really annoying but when it's like and of course if there's like one little archer that like when you're like right about to go cash in your souls or whatever and some guy just like one shots you or whatever mm-hmm. that that stuff sucks but at the same time it's also pretty funny like it's like watching wily e. coyote get his ass kicked yeah. oh that man certainly beat me with a large magic hammer <laughs> on it was my fault for starting a fight with a guy on a 12 foot tall horse i should have known better <laughs> now finally uh i want to say maybe maybe the sonic frontiers is that is that a zelda like by a long shot i want to play it i haven't played it yet oh you don't want to play it man i messed around with it i had i had an okay time with it it's definitely got it's okay it's got koroks why didn't you like you love koroks josh you love to collect Mm, them mm -hmm. they're called they're Uh, called like (laughs) tweeblings or something but they they're in there there's some sort of I guess the formula should make sense, like a nice big open world, but you can go really fast, right? Like I, that sounds all right. Like I think the biggest, one of my biggest issues with Zelda right now is like I, I still haven't been able to get a horse, and so I've been just like hoofing it. Mm. Uh, well, it so sounds I, like you're not hoofing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm hoofing it with you know little Hyrulean legs, but uh, I need longer legs, um, mm. longer arms. Mm. Uh, my point being <laughs> sonic frontiers uh when i started playing it it doesn't feel like you're controlling sonic like when i was playing it it felt like i was moving a map with sonic in the center of it does that, that kind of make sense that makes hmm. complete sense yeah right it's so weird i couldn't it's a, yeah it, he's so light i think that that's there's no weight he's to a him free that, spirit that, he can't be controlled yeah <laughs> he wants he wants he's, chili he dogs he's gotta go fast yeah him. yeah yeah, I mean, uh, I appreciate least... that that was that was like, I mean, it definitely took its very obvious influence from Breath of the Wild, but mm-hmm. it it also I don't know it tried some cool stuff and it's I don't know I'm I'm also always happy to be like it, it doesn't always pan out, but for like a beloved franchise to be like all right, but now it's open world, I'm like I don't know, let's see what happens there. I want, I want an open world Crash Bandicoot game. Yeah, I, I think part of the issue for me too is that. Uh, the way they incorporate the Sonic isms, uh, you know, the rails and like bouncy stuff, uh, it wasn't, it didn't feel like ingrained into the world. Mm. It's like, oh, here you are in a very like nature mm-hmm. setting. It feels like Northern Scotland, but like, yeah, it was just stranding, but Sonic floating. was there. Yeah, this is Death Stranding world, but then the rails are floating in the sky yeah. and like there's bounce pads. It's like, okay, where did these come from? Uh, yeah, it just it just felt odd. It was a you've never you know, been to Scotland, Josh. Misdirection. It shows. Sorry, you've never been to Scotland, and it shows there are rails everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Sonic is Scottish. Yeah, you, 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 know got that? you got me. You got me. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see a, a Scottish a Sonic. Oh my god, that's so hard to say. A Scottish. I bet Sonic. you there's. I bet I, I'm not going to type that on my work computer. But if you type in Scottish Sonic the Hedgehog, I bet you're going to get some <laughs> great dreams, dreams, creations, and homemade videos. <laughs> 
All right. Anyway, um, last week we had a, a just a, a big show, a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about, and one thing we didn't get to was uh, some wonderful PlayStation memories from our dear listeners. Uh, Jada went and got a bunch of people to chime in on the Facebook group, uh, and so I figured I could share some of those. Some of these are very sweet. One of them is very funny. So let's uh, let's dive right in. Uh, Stewie Hunter says, "My favorite PlayStation memory was when I got my PS3." Fair enough. I was 13. We were going through a tough time financially as a family. My mom called over 50 different shops in the lead up to that Christmas to find a PS3 for me and had found finally found one, but it was a few hours drive away. My mom had nobody to come with her and she was afraid of going on her own. So she told me or or showed you or she told me the hours went by quickly and my heart was in my chest as I got to pick up the PS3 with Resistance, Fall of Man, one of my favorite games ever now and a Formula One game. We kept it secret from my dad that I knew I was getting for Christmas that year, and it wasn't lost on me how hard of an effort my parents put into saving for the perfect present. We didn't really have much back then, so if anything, I expected to skip Christmas that year. That console treated me well and is easily the console I hold most dear in my heart. That's sweet. Yeah, that is really sweet. That is really sweet. I wonder if their mom, like, yeah, wanted to spoil them with the surprise or not, or like... Genuinely at least, at least, at alone. least one, at least one parent got to like have have it be a surprise, you know. Like that's yeah. such, but it's also like that. God, what a what an awesome mom to like to be like, hey, I'm really, I'm really killing myself to get this thing for you. I'm, I'm sorry that you're gonna have to come along with me, but <laughs> you know, I don't know. Or it's maybe the, she got really selfish and was like, I, I want to have, I want to see the joy on my child's. Face I want the joy first. I want my husband. Yeah, <laughs> I want to pilfer this joy for myself. Yes, yes, give me the joy. Oh. I don't know. That's that's the thing I'm I'm doing. Like my my kid is most excited about the wrapping paper at this point. Like she's <laughs> she's two, but like my wife and I do stuff where we get like we'll get presents and not tell the other one, and so then it's like a surprise. At least some per- somebody's like cares about the present as a surprise. So like she'll mm-hmm. open it up. She's like, oh, it's a rat. It's a Velociraptor costume, and my wife is like, oh, it's wonderful. And my my baby's like eating wrapping paper. And just, like, <laughs> just tries to, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Igra Asad Khan says the best PlayStation gaming time of my life was playing Final Fantasy X-2 and 12 on the PS2. Those that classic duo that goes together. Just uh, my father saw three girls on the cover of X-2 and got it for me, and I played it without caring. It was a sequel. I hadn't played X. I got to see badass Yuna and girl power, and it was only decades later when I finally got it on PS4 that I tried X and found out how dreary Yuna's origin story is. I still haven't picked. I still haven't finished X but I have replayed 10-2 countless times. This experience has made me pick up and enjoy other RPG sequels without bothering to start with the first one in the series. I always have a grand time with them. I love that. Yeah. I think you there's, don't know there's... about 10-2? About like the, the concept of it? They're like pop stars or something? Yeah. Like magical yeah, like, world transformations? Pretty much. That's cool as hell. I mean, yeah. I honestly, like I, I was a, a teenage boy when that came out. I was more inclined to check out 10-2 than 10. <laughs> <laughs> uh G short on ideas is getting a PS one for Christmas with croc. That game doesn't hold up, but it was my childhood. I love that croc was like a, just a gex who didn't try so hard. <laughs> I love that too. Like always you, there's these games that you hold very near and dear to you and you know, they suck ass. Yeah. What's yours? Uh, mine is star Wars, super bombad racing, my man. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. That was, that was one of the first like PS two games I ever had. And I was like, Dude, this is Star Wars, and it's Darth Maul, and it's you know, carding ish. But yeah, it's great. It's the thrill of those movies. It's the 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 monomyth. There Everyone it loves. It's the Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey, the hero's yeah. journey to have an enormous head and do weird little jumps. <laughs> in a... What's what's yours? Your nostalgic bad game. Mm. 
I don't know. Matt, what about you? I don't, I've, I've got probably too many. Yeah, I feel like I have a lot too. Uh, I think I'm going to catch a little flack for this, but one of the Crash Bandicoots do not hold up. Ooh. I don't remember which one. I think it's the first one. I think I go back to the first one sometimes because of the HD collection or the remaster, and mm-hmm. I was just like, this is this is not what I remember it. <laughs> Kenneth Rasmussen says, my fondest memory is also a cornerstone in my identity. I remember playing Final Fantasy VII at age 12 or 13. I'm 37 now, and I wasn't used to long games like RPGs. So when I left Midgar and stepped into the world map, my entire perception of video games changed forever. Yeah. Those, I mean, those moments are like, they're kind of few and far between these days, but I feel like the last time mm-hmm. I really had that was the, the elevator in, in Elden Ring. Just being oh, like, man. oh yeah. no, it keeps going. It's just yeah. <laughs> it's what is it? The down elevator, right? Or the Yeah, when you yeah is it going you, to that oh, what's the name of that area? The downstairs glow in the dark basement. Yeah, the, yep, yep, yep. That yeah. one. Yeah. Underground blacklight poster, whatever it's called. Mm. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. The place with That's all the, the the blue deer or what the the polar bears that try to or yaks or whatever they <laughs> the yakmen. Yeah. Yak, oh, it's where they keep the Christmas decorations down <laughs> at the bottom of that elevator. <laughs> I don't know. I like that you go down one. It's like this beautiful thing. You're like, oh, I can see the stars. It's really magical. It's wonderful. And you got a different one, and there's just like 15 foot long ants that set you on, that like bite you or piss on you <laughs> oh, or so whatever. God, I hated that. Yeah. They're mean. They're, those They're ants mean. were not. There's a they good made, game except for those ants. They made terrible sounds when when you kill them. Yeah. Oh. Every every nothing in that game sounds good when you kill it. Yeah. No. No. That game has a lot of displeasure. What's uh what what are you, what are your last sort of like big reveal moments that are like mm. a, th- a thing where you're like oh I didn't realize this was this big of a game. Ooh. Anything come to mind? Uh I, I don't know. I think my first like even exposure to like open world games was Spider-Man 2 for the PS2. Uh and I didn't even know that game. I didn't even know the concept of open world really, but like I just knew you got to play as Spider-Man. And then when I realized, I'm like, oh, I get to like swing on buildings. I get to be on top of buildings. I get to be on the street, like just like top to bottom, just like New York. It was awesome. Uh, And I never owned it. I rented it from Blockbuster and never had a memory card. So I just start from the beginning every time I borrowed it. (laughs) Uh, But that, that game, I think, was like really mind blowing for me, just in terms of like, I don't even like I have nothing to do, but I'm having fun just like dicking around. Yeah, yeah. I mean that goes that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. I love that like, like the the next Spider Man has like such it has like such a reputation to live up to that also has nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know, like people will think like ah, a PlayStation game called Spider Man Two, and it's like that's the <laughs> that's the one that we're like people are going to be comparing it to, even though it's yeah. obviously like a completely different different one. You gotta call it Insomnia or Marvel's Spider-Man Two. Right. Yeah. I want to see DC's Spider-Man Two. <laughs> yeah. Give me gritty Spider-Man. Uh, not gritty anymore, right? Not, not after new ownership. Probably oh, not that's BS right. Gritty. Yeah. yeah. We'll uh, see. We'll see where it goes. Matt, do you have any any like big big reveal moments in games that come to mind? Ah, uh, so I think. When was the last time I was on this podcast? Like four months ago, five months ago? And I you were on for like I, 10 minutes and then you had to go like interview Troy Baker, I think. Right, right. That was fun. Uh, and I think at the time I was talking about my Metal Gear Solid. Uh, I'm going to beat all of Metal Gear Solid for the first time uh, thing. 
so I'm still on that. I'm still I'm like ten missions away from the ending in Metal Gear Solid Five. Are you doing uh, all of this, all of the annoying side stuff where it's like, no, pick me, no, pick I me just a single flower or like these three guys deserve to get ballooned or whatever. I don't know if it's side stuff, but I'm at the part where I'm and it's like an old game. So I don't like it's spoilers for Metal Gear Solid 5. But like, you know, the last end of the game is all just like harder versions of earlier missions. Like the moment I hit that stretch, I'm just like, this is mm. uh, it's kind of a chore. But uh, but like during this time, I was playing Metal Gear Solid 3 and like I didn't play that when it first came out. But I'm playing I played it like last year for the first time. And then I'm like, oh. This is why people love this game. It's massive. Mm. It's ginormous. It's also like one of the best games ever. Uh, I understand now. I understand what you're talking about. I love this game so so much, just so much. The thing that, I mean, I, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. It's 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 a <clears throat> it's a tricky open world, you know, because it's like it yeah. takes it's got a pretty long lead up to get to it, and then as far as it being like a true sort of like a, you know go from one thing to the next, like there's there's like little pockets you know like there's parts where things sort of interact with each other but for them it almost feels like just sort of i don't know like i always wish that you could kind of just really take the helicopter anywhere but in reality it was kind of more of like a disguised loading screen mm-hmm. but i don't know this it's such a it's such a immaculate game um there are yeah. portions of this game that are sandboxy like being able to use some of your tools for like it's unintended yeah. you can you to... can be in a you can be in a box in a area covered in sand so it's it is literally sandboxy in a number of ways <laughs> no yeah i feel like i i've never played this game but like the clips i've seen from it is yeah now that you're mentioning it it is kind of reminding me of like what's happening now with tears of the kingdom like people just doing like the most wackadoo stuff with their gadgets, right? Like people I not mean, that's intended use. That's always been like my favorite thing about Metal Gear is just screwing with the enemy AI. Like just it's always just been like you torment them, you do weird stuff. Like I don't know. Like in, in two, you could like you could tranquilize her a, a dart a smiley face onto like a dude's head and then spray him with like liquid <laughs> nitrogen, and he would wake up. And you could you know point a gun at his crotch and he would like dance around and give you his dog tag there's just like weird they it it accounts for the fact that players are going to do weird stuff yeah i think it's i also think it's interesting that like i'm i could be mistaken here but i i feel like open world games for the most part are like a western product like you know Mm. gta pretty much introduced the concept uh it's been you know you know skyrim western studio like japanese stuff typically is a little bit more cordoned off like it's more um you know more structured i guess and like you mm-hmm. see this with with Yakuza, like you can run around and do stuff, but it's also like, I don't know, when you get in a fight, it like is a whole separate, like it's a whole ordeal. Like it doesn't just happen within the environment. It's kind of like, oh, it's, you know, these people are going to just, they're going to tell you it's a fight and then it's a fight. Uh, yeah. And then, I don't know, it's kind of nuts to me that like Metal Gear Solid Five and Breath of the Wild both took these like ancient franchises and just completely reinvented the, you know, the formula. And it's like, you know, they they obviously are using elements of stuff that was sort of prototyped by you know ubisoft games like you know far cry 2 or whatever but like it just did did such an amazing job and they both they both seem to account for the fact that players are gonna do weird stuff Mm -hmm. they're very much like they're very much tool sets like Mm -hmm. they're like here you go here's a box of toys go have fun like go see what you can do with it and yeah i don't know other games are a little more a little more structured um anyway um james napoli says buying the network adapter for the ps2 and playing my first online ps2 games which were tony hawk and madden but which quickly led to playing socom with my buds i think for many console gamers this was our first foray into playing online games 
getting broadband, getting a headset, scheduling Sunday night after Sopranos, meet and room platoon. Ah, it was marvelous. I, Man. yeah. What's your earliest memory of online gaming? Oh, it was my friends in middle school. They were trying to get me to play Counter-Strike with them. And they were really patient with me to help me set it up. And I think, I think what were, what was that? Um, voice chat service back in those days. Ventrilo. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Vent. yeah. 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 <laughs> and I was like, they're making me install these programs. I'm like, dude, like, why do I got to jump up to these hoops? Uh, and I sucked ass at it. And I actually, I mean, I, I since later learned that Counter-Strike is like even its own brand of first person shooter. Um, but at, it was, yeah, it was a pretty mind blowing experience, I think. Yeah. I played a lot of tribes too. I think because mm -hmm. they had like a, like a shareware build or something, or like there's one map that you could mess around on. And that was as far as like multiplayer shooters go, that was like a massive open area. It wasn't open world, but it was like a really big map that you could, you know, goof around on. And there was like, I think you could just, you had like jet boots or something. I haven't played that in a million years, but yeah, uh -huh. that's one of those, one of those franchises that kind of came and went. Was it? Was, no, go ahead. It's a, you know, it's a, um, you know, first person shooter competitive thing, but I, yeah, I think you just had like kind of wackier traversal. Like you could do cooler, like cooler ways of getting around. Um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't really do any online gaming on consoles for a, until pretty late. Like it's never been a thing mm -hmm. that particularly appealed to me. Like I screwed with it a bit on when I was, you know, played on PC growing up, but yeah, uh, that also the internet was like, I can't, I can't imagine that being a good time. You know, you're on like a 28-8 connection and there's just, I don't know. Like I'll get killed by lag now. And it's like, this is the future. I'm on like fiber. Like what are we, you know, we're yeah. talking, we're talking over the internet now. It's wild. Um, yeah. Joe Jackson those, those things said, are like, you need the friends. You need the good set yeah. of friends that are mm -hmm. like down to also buy the game and carve out the time. And it's, it's hard. It's hard That's, finding yeah, a game I mean, that it's a all social, your friends a like thing. to play. Yeah. But when you like when you when it gets there, like the friends that I played uh Halo Reach with in, in high school are like friends with me today, you know? Like that's mm -hmm. the that's the sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had friends. Mm. It's Aww. really fun. A bunch of a bunch of people we work with all like also got really into Fortnite and I play with them like I play with them like twice, but there's like a group that all gets together and I like I like I don't get I don't go I don't get to play with them. Like I don't <laughs> they, they <laughs> I have a secret like, group without you, the non-max. No. Like I'll get like I'll I'll play, I'll like hop on it, like whatever, you know, if I have a free free night or something, and then you know, after I turn off my my PlayStation, they I'll like check my phone and I'll have like a text is like, hey, you want to squat up? And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I missed them. Oh I don't know. It is it is like a I'm I'm definitely I my my multiplayer uh, experience was was live journal. Like I would just get in f fights on the internet <laughs> with people in there. Uh, Joe Jackson or Jake Jackson says my dad and I are very different people, but have always bonded over PlayStation games. As a four year old, I watched him play through Metal Gear Solid. Wow, uh, Psycho Manus is still the coolest boss I've ever seen. Two years later, he watched me beat the game before dropping me off to school late. Man, six-year-old later, I watched him play MGS2 and MGS3 before beating those myself, too. Later again, the first console I bought with my own money was a Pawn PS3. This time, my dad watched me play through Metal Gear Solid 4 first. Mm -hmm. I'm 29 this year, and Metal Gear Solid are the only retro games I still own. Kojima is art and all that, but really, it's these memories playing PlayStation with my dad that makes Metal Gear Solid series my favorite. That, yeah. 
I'm, I'm right wow. there with you. That was, that was a big, a big bond. I, so I didn't, yeah, I didn't do like a ton of multiplayer stuff, but like my best friend and I got super into metal gear together. Um, and it's, it's funny how that was like, that was kind of an entry point to anime too. Like it, it's, mm. it's a very, you know, obviously it's very like anime infused, but it came out in 1998 and you know, it, it was like the early days of Toonami. Like it was such a, a different, you know, I don't know. It just opened. I mean, it got me into John Carpenter movies like that. I, I'm, I owe Kojima that one. Um, Troubadour Monsi says, as a junior high student, I came home to have my N64 stolen by someone my mom was renting a room to. My parents took me to Target to buy a new Nintendo, but I thought to myself, this is an opportunity to try something new. I saw a game I always wanted to try with the budget my dad gave me. I could actually afford to buy two games. I ended up buying my first PlayStation console with Resident Evil Director's Cut and Metal Gear Solid as my first two entries into the PlayStation wow. world. Though I'm now console agnostic, the memory of watching RE cutscenes or how painstakingly detailed games like Metal Gear Solid could be, I knew PlayStation consoles would be a part of my gaming life forever. Yeah. Wow, yeah. good picks. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's like, really? that's su that sucks when your like, first exposure to something is like the <laughs> pinnacle of it. Like when you play something really, really good, and you're like, "All right, what else is there?" And it's like, "Sorry, sir, that was our finest heroin." Like, oh no, what now? Exactly. Um, gotta start low. You gotta start with those like terrible games. Yeah, yeah. Like, you gotta start with get better than this. Maybe that's in defense of really of really crappy games. Is that's that's mm -hmm. the trick? Is that you gotta play? You gotta start with the bad stuff. You gotta start off with garbage, and then and then work your way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like Brian's introducing his daughter to. Uh, all the Zelda games and stuff. I'm like, dude, you can't, you can't start that high. Like, maybe you should start with something really crappy. Show her mm -hmm, some knack, mm -hmm. uh, and then so, like maybe work your way up. Hey, 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 now, hey, hey, now. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I forgot what podcast I was on. My bad. Uh, <laughs> you respect knack in this house. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. It's it's gonna be such a weird thing to see what I don't know, like. Kids who are growing up with games now, like, there's such a massive, massive, like, just breadth to them like mm -hmm. i don't know I, i'm i'm old i remember when it was like 3d was new and you're like whoa other dimensions like that's <laughs> yeah you're i mean there's i i remember thinking like oh maybe vr will be the next paradigm shift yeah. and it's not you know it's just sort of yeah i don't know i i still just remember like like playing a playstation 2 game and just being like this is it graphics will never become better than this oh yeah I love no, Olga Gerlukovich is the most is the most realistic character ever put in a video game. And I went, went back and played Metal Gear on, on the remasters. And I was like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> she did. I mean, they gave her armpit hair like that's, you know, that was advanced for the yeah, fidelity, the, the power of the PlayStation. Mm -hmm. uh, OK, here's the story that I, I really love. This is very silly. Uh, Christian Leadbeater says heavy rain has become the standard for controller shaking in QTE game jokes after QTE jokes after a mate and I tag teamed our way through it in a couple months after release. It was appropriately coming into winter and so lacking a decent heater, we both pulled blankets over ourselves. I was given the controller just as the game came to Madison's first scene and my mate ran off to grab some drinks. Controller hidden beneath the blanket. I played through the section where Madison takes a shower before the game asks you to dry her off by shaking the controller. It was around this time that my mate returned to the room, looked at the TV where the digital avatar stood in the buff for all to see, and then at me, hands under the blanket, furiously shaking my DualShock 3. Needless to say, not a good look, and from there on out, any games that have asked us to shake the controller have been diagnosed with heavy rain syndrome. <laughs> That's a great that story. Is, yeah, That's I love that. That's a good one. Yeah. I don't know. This, th thanks to everybody who wrote in and, and you know shared. Oh, there's one... Uh, uh, 
multiple people said that the infamous ham episode of this show was was a uh, one of their favorite PlayStation memories. So sorry and th- and thank you, I guess. <laughs> um yeah, thanks to everybody who wrote in and and shared their fun stories and thoughts and all that. Uh Josh, Matt, thank you for hopping on and and uh you know, sh- shooting the shit, talking mm-hmm. about stuff. Um Yeah. We will be back next week with I don't even know what's going on. I hope there's I hope there's exciting new game stuff. I want to hear stuff from Sony. I want some big summer things to get announced, uh, but we'll have to wait and see what happens there. I think it, it's it's hopefully they hopefully they, they tell us when the when the Wolverine is coming to my house. I want him to come over, hang out with me. <laughs> That's all I want. Hey, bub, just don't hey, play bub. Heavy Rain uh, on your DualShock Three under the blankets. Yeah, Wolverine would not tolerate that. He wouldn't like that one bit. He wouldn't <laughs> put up with it. I don't know. Um, yeah. On that note. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Beyond. 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 Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.